Fit and Theater of the Words presents The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth's Future. Episode 9, Maria Sees What the World Has Become. Maria was unusually quiet the next morning as she sat next to Wilson as they headed for the reserve in the transitway. Maria stared at kilometers of modules as Wilson continued to talk about himself. And 600 people directly under you is no small challenge, Maria. I know that Neville thinks that I'm up to it, and more. He told me as much. And I've shown my ability in the past, and I'm not stretching the truth when I say I've become his right-hand man, he said, as he noticed she was not paying attention to him. Hey, Maria, you're not listening to me. <laughs> he laughed, putting his arm around her. Oh, I'm listening, she said, still upset with him about last night. Look, the sky's almost clear, said Wilson as he pointed outside. Well, it'd be nice if it stayed that way, Terrence. Just how many times have you been up here? Uh, well, you know, sometimes. It's a good change from the lunar surface. Speaking of the lunar surface, don't you think this murder investigation will affect your standing with the lunar aggregate company? See, I was listening, she laughed. But Wilson was not amused, and hatred filled his brown eyes. I told you I don't want to talk about the murder or anything else. But it's not the murder. Don't mention it again. All right, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to... You should be sorry. If one of your close friends was killed, would you want me bugging you about it? Maria could see she was not having a good time. I said I was sorry, she repeated as the transit way decreased its speed. Come on, let's get up front. I don't like this waiting. As he went to grasp her hand, she pulled back. As if he owned the train, Wilson put Maria past the people waiting in line, but no one stopped him when he shoved his computer card into the slot. You really shouldn't be out in front of these people there, Terrence. Give me your card, he ordered. You only got eight hours. Maria rolled her eyes as Wilson jammed her card in the slot. He looked as if he was still upset about her mentioning the murder. The very thought of the badgering Inspector Glass seemed to throw him over the edge. You may both pass are waiting, said the computer. The terminal to the reserve wooded the reserve itself. However, there was no conventional opening to the inside. All entry was made via several movers in the ground. Wilson walked rapidly ahead of her, letting Maria trail behind to catch a glimpse of the treetops over the wall. She marveled at the thickly foliated branches in the distance. She had only seen trees a couple of times in her life, and now she could see the beginnings of a mountain range in clouds thin white clouds floating in a clear blue atmosphere. She stopped in the center of the terminal as the transitway pulled away from the area, and she was genuinely mystified by all these new things, things she had never had experienced on such a scale. Will you hurry up? shouted Wilson as he stood up with two militiamen next to a computer slot. She walked over to him slowly as he remained upset. Gee, I try to get ahead and you just take your time. Maria gazed at him and then looked inside the reserve. You both are cleared by the computer, said one of the military men. Good, said Wilson as he took the passes. How far is Rose Garden from here? Maria asked as she came up to him. Oh, about ten kilometers, he answered as he stepped onto the mover. Have a nice hike, said the militiaman, but Wilson did not answer. Thank you, said Maria as she too stepped on the clear shield and they sunk into the ground. They were both silent as they passed through the blue light of the mover. For some time, they moved horizontally, and it was just a few minutes before the first vestige of light appeared above them. 
The mover rose up slowly and they found themselves isolated in a forested glen. Maria ran from the shield and onto the bright green grass, the reserved sun warming her pale, dry face. The grass was longer on the banks of a small pond with weeping willows that she had only read about, spreading their limbs overhead. White ducks moved along the shimmering water in formation, while birds chirped in the trees. She closed her eyes and exposed her face to the sun without fear of getting injured by the ultraviolet rays. As she opened her eyes, she looked ahead to a narrow dirt road, leading to a pond by a cornfield and a hill, up over knolls toward a chain of smooth-backed, glaciated mountains. She was absolutely dumbfounded, unable to comprehend what she was seeing, and she began to shed tears as Wilson caught up with her. You're crying, Maria. I'm sorry. That murder business upsets me, or was it last night? No, no, Terence. She smiled and wiped the tears from her eyes. That's not it. Then what is it? What is it? What did I do? She paused for a few moments, opening her mouth several times as she attempted to speak. It's just that, that I... I never... She turned toward the mountains. I've never seen so much simple beauty. Beauty, pure and simple. Life, abounding life. She yelled as she ran ahead of him and smiled gleefully. It's like a wonderland. I don't understand, he called to her. That's because you're not an outsider, Terence. They walked up the dirt road and up and down through the cornfields as they closed in on the mountains. Maria would run ahead of Wilson, stopping periodically to run her fingers along the ears of corn or to scoop up the rich brown soil and let it fall back to the ground through her fingers. Wilson would catch up to her and then she'd run ahead again. Over the last hill at the base of the first mountain, the forest began and a well-trampled trail pierced the thick woodland slope. Maria seemed intoxicated with the sturdy oaks and the gentle pine needles that covered the forest floor. She climbed over the boulders which were moved and crushed by glaciers of eons past. She ran her fingers along the granite, intuitively trying to grasp the whole puzzle, and in her thoughts as they moved up the hill, the old man's babbling flashed in and out of her mind like the squirrels darting through the woods, or a deer appearing for an instant in the distance. And it was all so incomprehensible, so void of descriptive words that she couldn't even express. Wilson, not quite devoured by the rapture, had eased his irritability and seemed more tranquil as they hiked to the top of the range. Temperature had dropped slightly. The valley was hidden below the rocks, and they would have to reach a higher level before they could see how the human habitation had spread. Why are all the trees gone? asked Maria. The fall line. Didn't your computer tell you anything? <laughs> laughed Wilson as he thought she was joking. Katie never talks about trees. Why should he? asked Maria as she looked closely at the rocks. And these lines... Come oh, on, Maria, people are behind us. Let's get to the top. They rose higher, climbing by several groups of people, negotiating the rocks on their way to the summit. The valley was coming into view, as was the edge of the Zambian Dome, several hundred meters below them. It was only the base that gave it away. The modules were well-defined, like thousands of colossal building block mountains in the distance. But these mountains, like most of the mountains in the world, had not been preserved. The modules walked upward, over the mountains outside, like the evening tide over the beach. The habitats, said Maria as she saw the towering structures slicing through the topography, joining the two identical north-south habitats. 
Over there, over there, Terence, she said as they neared the top. The greenie camps. All of Earth seems to be covered. The population is out of control. Well, that goes without saying. I had forgotten everything was so large, said Wilson as he looked down. Camps were foreboding, even at this distance. As far as the eye could see, the solid white barrier fenced them inside. Smoke arose from the various fires spread apart in this rectangular prison. The Seventh River, a wide and sludgy body of water, flowed beneath the modules and under the barrier and into the camps. It meandered across the camps, submerging again at the far side of the barrier. They drink that water undistilled, don't they? Do they? How oh, vulgar, <laughs> he said as he sat down on the rock. Well, I guess you never thought you'd see anything like this, eh, Maria? It makes me wonder. Wonder? Wonder about what? He said as he stretched his powerful muscles. And what was it like before all this? I mean, what did it look like, say, a thousand years ago or longer? She asked, thinking about the old man, tantalized by the thought. You're thinking about Antone again. Forget him. But the river, it must have flowed out in the open at one time. Who knows? I have trouble enough worrying about today, let alone what happened a thousand years ago. Picture that river, Terence. Without all these modules and the billions of people covering it. No sludge, nothing. What are you going to do, Maria? Distill the whole river? No she said as she stood up on the rocks overlooking the valley. Before that sludge, and the land of the valley, like land at the base of the reserve, with corn and trees, can you see it? Yeah, so what? So it must have been that way at one time, she maintained. Level the quadrant, plant the corn. What I'm saying, she said as she snarled at him, how did it get like it is today? Well, the population grew and they built it. It's very easy to understand. What's the mystery? That's what the computers tell us. That's all our technology, our culture. Everything sprang up from this increased population. But it could have been different. Now you say the computers are lying. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. But just look out there. It's all so massive. And you're down there and you don't even think about anything else but S11 and A98. But from here, look at it. It all goes to the horizon. Everywhere the continent is covered. Quite a sight, isn't it? I thought you'd like it, said Wilson as the tiny radio on his shoulder buzzed. Call from your mother, said the computer. Put her on. Terrence. I'm on top of the summit. What's the problem? Inspector Glass. Glass? shouted Wilson as he stood up. Tell him to lay off. I won't... He's on the screen. There are M&Ms on the way to the habitat. He's ordered you back to the moon. Who the hell does he think he is? Yelled Wilson as the other people on the mountain summit looked over at him. You have four hours to return here, or they'll send their military men out for you. Oh, I don't believe this, said Wilson, stomping on the rocks. Advise him I'll be at the habitat on time, or at least let me enjoy my last few hours of sanity. This won't hurt your position with Luna Aggregate, will it? Asked Maria as the communication ended. No, I'm not worried about that at this moment. Then what does this all mean, Terrence? means I have a lot of explaining to do to Inspector Manfred Glass.
Join us next week for another exciting episode of The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth's Future by Robert P. Fitton. Presented by Fitton Theater of the Words.